0: It's the Field of Vision podcast with your host, Jordan Eisen. How's it going, everybody? And welcome into the Field of Vision podcast. Joining me today is Daniel Rodder. Before I came along, formerly the youngest member of TGFBI, but I took that title now, and he's the second youngest. Still young in college, uh, but interesting. Unlike me, he like actually not a job, but like he's a writer and podcaster for fantasy uh Friends with Fantasy Benefits. So that's cool. Um, whereas I'm just kind of doing this by myself. He has like a actual position over there. Uh as all the listeners surely know, something that I like to ask my new guests, and I think it'll be interesting to hear from you since we're similar ages. Um, is how did you even get into this industry? I want. I'm just uh first of all just curious and then also I wonder uh how similar your journey, I guess, has been compared to mine. Cause I'm sure I'm sure they're pretty similar. Um, so why don't you take it away?
1: Uh yeah, so first of all, thanks for having me on the show, Jordan. Uh very excited to talk with a fellow youthful face here about fantasy baseball. Um So how I got into the industry, I would say, well, first of all, I've been playing fantasy baseball since I was like 10, probably with my friends and family. I still have a 10-man home league that I'm the commissioner of every year. And that's been going on for probably a decade now. Um, But when I was in high school, probably about sophomore or junior year, I got on this app, the Fantasy Life app that Matthew Barry created for fantasy football. And there's also a pretty big baseball community that came out of that as well. So I found myself in some dynasty leagues from that that I'm still in. I ended up writing for their blog for a couple years and then I ended up getting scooped up by uh, like a daily fantasy site and I wrote for them mostly about football actually for a few months and then they were merging with another bigger site and I didn't really get included in that merger. And so um, when there were applications going on for TGFBI for the very first year I've been in it since it started, I applied, and so while I was in it for my first year, uh, that was when Justin Mason was starting the podcast for TGFBi. So I emailed him. I was like, "What's up, Justin? I'm in, like, I think I was 17 or 18 year old. I'm in TGFBi. I'd love to hop on the pod." And he was happy to have me on. We had a great conversation. Um, and so later that year, when he asked more people to hop on board as a writer for TGF or for uh, Friends with Fantasy Benefits, I was happy to hop on board and been writing for them for a couple of years now. Um I know you've talked to Justin, he's a really cool guy. There's a lot of good faces at FWFB and uh hopefully we can keep growing as uh, the years pass.
0: Yeah, Justin absolutely vital part of the fantasy baseball community like he's not necessarily the biggest name but like you can't really Uh, talk to too many people without his name coming up because he just does so many things. Um, But speaking of TGFBI, uh, while we were scheduling the show and whatnot, um, our TGFBI teams came up. So let's just use this little bit of time to rant about how awful this year has been. Um, I'm sure that the regular listeners know that I have been struggling. I liked my draft so much. I went so hard after pitching. 'Cause I just made it an issue in all of my league all of my leagues to get as many pitchers as possible while not killing my hitting. And I thought I did a good job at that. Little did I know, I started my draft with Luis Castillo, Carlos Carrasco, um Steven Strasberg, Jesus Lazardo, Herman Marquez. And then after that, I waited forever because I was like, oh, those are five really solid guys. I don't have to take anybody. So my next my next guy was like Griffin Canning. Um, So now Luis Castillo has been awful. Uh, Carrasco, Strasburg and Lizardo are all injured. Herman Marquez has been awful. Fortunately, uh, I was able to scoop up Danny Duffy and Carlos Rodon, who are Now my two aces, which I hate because it's Danny Duffy and Carlos Rodon. Um, But I have like a five ERA and it's May 12th. Things aren't going too hot for my pitching. Um, Daniel, what's going on with your TGFBI team?
1: So I I said this to you when we were talking, but it's funny you say that because um, I actually went heavy after hitting in my draft because For whatever reason, I feel like I'm pretty good at finding late values on pitching and finding values in free agency. I just feel like it works out for me more times than it does with hitting. So I attacked hitting pretty early in the draft. I started my first three picks were Bellinger, who has maybe 50 at-bats, Lindor, who has been noted to be awful this year, and Rendon, who also probably has like 50 at-bats. So that was a great start. Um, I've gotten basically no contribution from my first three picks thus far. And then I hit on pitching pretty well with my next three. I went now Barrios, Chapman, which have all been pretty solid picks. Um, but then after that, Tommy Pham, huge bust so far. Uh, I got Moose. He's been all right. And then Santander, one of my Oriole guys, probably 50 at-bats for him also because he's been injured. So I just – My hitting has been terrible this year. I finally got out of single-digit roto points in hitting like yesterday. I had been stuck in the single digits for so long because I have so many injuries. Uh, My pitching is keeping me afloat. I have one of the best staffs in my league, which I believe, I don't even remember which league number it is, something in the 20s. But my team is sitting in like 11th place with one of the best staffs and the worst hitting in the league. Very frustrating. Can't wait for my top hitters to come back and start producing.
0: Yes, that is very relatable because, I mean, once once this bench gets right of my uh, pitchers, it's, I mean, it's not great, and I've lost all confidence in my ability to do anything with pitching, but, like, I'll get Carlos Carrasco at some point. Hopefully, Steven Strasburg can stay healthy. I do still have hope for Le- Jesus Lizardo. Um, I, I think I have a shot, but as you said, I have, like... 16 and a half pitching points and my offense has been good too even though i waited on most of it um but i'm just looking at my draft board right now i had like one two three four good picks in the first 10 rounds like i bust so i hit on trey turner Jordan alvarez max muncie and will smith and will smith it's the relief pitcher I picked him in the 10th round. I hated it from the second I did it, it. I just had to reach cause all of the guys were gone. Uh, after I took, uh, my pick in the ninth, Trevor Rosenthal went off the board and then Kirby Yates went off, thaw- went off the board. And I was like, ah, oh, I really, really wanted one of those guys. Um, fortunately they did go off the board and I was stuck with Will Smith and now they're both out for the year. And Will Smith has been really good. Um, So those are my four hits. And then I've missed bad on Luis Castillo in second, Kyle Tucker in the third, Carlos Carrasco, Stephen Strasburg, Jesus Lizardo, and Dom Smith. Um, And then after that, I went on a a bit of a hot streak with guys like Solak, uh, Justin Turner, Didi Gregorius, Austin Hayes, etc. So, yeah, like, honestly, rounds rounds 10 through... um, 20 were probably better than one through nine for me which is gross but i don't ah, i don't know it's been really rough and my fab bids have been good too as i've said um i've gotten carlos rodan danny duffy um there i hit on jesus lazard uh aguilar late um there have been some solid pickups but oh my god these blow up games from Luis Castillo and Herman Marquez—they just have killed. Also, Jesus Lizardo and Steven Strasburg. Don't forget, they've killed my ERA and WHIP. I'm like by far last in my league, and it's not even close.
1: No, I absolutely sympathize you with you for uh, Castillo and Strasburg. Like I said in my home league with like my my family, my friends, I have both Castillo and Strasburg. Luckily, I have my boy John Means carrying the staff there. But, um, no, I'm really worried about Luis Castillo. I mean, the peripherals do not look good so far. He's walking a lot of guys, not getting a lot of strikeouts. Um, I've been hearing about a, a tick down in his velo on his fastball. The signs are just not looking great there, which is very frustrating. Um, hopefully he can turn it around. I'm right there with you. I would love to see that as well so that I can stop getting made fun of in that league for that.
0: Yeah, I, I think he's probably one of the best uh, turnaround guys Candidates, but he's still also one of the best bust candidates. uh, like if we're predicting who we think will finish where at the end of the season, like I could see him just have a good start this next outing, and then even though it's in cores, and I had start him, ugh. Um, even though it's in cores, he could go six in with ten punches and then just completely turn around and be an ace from there on out, but. I oh don't know. He could also just be garbage and I keep on starting him. Uh, it sucks. Um, but honestly, pitching on as a whole has been kind of good. I just happened to pick all of the wrong ones in TGFBI and my other leagues. I did like a great job. I have Corbin Burns everywhere. Um, there, there's there been a lot of really good pitching. It just looks like I got all of the bad pitchers in TGFBI, which sucks um but anyways let's get into the main event of today we're gonna be uh, if you remember with Jason Collette I went through uh before the season catchers first baseman second baseman just to get uh all of our thoughts out on the airwaves I guess um and now we're just gonna kind of revisit that position grouping and talk about kind of just everything that's changed So let's begin with catcher Um, at the top. I think there's a pretty clear top tier. It's like, these guys are good. They've been good for a while. Um, JT Rio Muto, Salvador Perez, Wilson Contreras, Will Smith, Christian Vasquez. Um, The guy I want to hit on here who kind of like made his way into this tier that was not in it before the season is Christian Vasquez. Um, he started off the <clears throat> he started off the season really hot, and he has since cooled down a little bit, but he's still stealing bases, which is awesome from your catcher um he's not killing you in any other category, so what do you think about Vasquez uh his stats are good so far. do you think he can keep it up
1: um I would say as far as Vasquez goes that I think he rightfully belongs in that tier that you have him with some of the other top catchers. And it's mostly buoyed by the fact that he has that speed. I mean, he stole four bases last year in the shortened season in 47 games. He's got four more steals already this year, just over 30 games in. We have seen the batting average fall off a little bit from his torrid start. But, I I mean, your catcher's probably not going to bat 300. That's just not really a reasonable expectation for most catchers. But for Vasquez, I mean, if we could get like 15 homers and 15 steals out of him, I mean, that's a top eight catcher right there, at least. So, I mean, he's on pace to hit something like that. And if he does, then you have no choice but to be happy with that, I think.
0: And he plays every day as well. If he's not catching, um, which does happen, like he doesn't catch every day, but he basically plays every day. Um either at first base or DH or whatever. he, You just, that those counting stats that he's going to produce, especially in a, uh, he also bats in the middle of a, one of the best lineups right now. So those counting stats, they're only going to be paralleled by like uh, JT Amido and Salvador Perez, like maybe not even Wilson Contreras. Uh, maybe some of the older guys, but they're not going to give you uh, too much else except for those counting stats, but Christian Vasquez, maybe JT Realmuto, definitely JT Realmuto. I don't know what I'm saying, but uh, those two are probably the only two five category contributors in fantasy at catcher right now. Um, let's move on to this next next group, though, a little more interesting in my opinion. Uh, and by the way, I forgot to mention. Uh, these groupings are based off of my rest-of-season rankings. Uh, so before we go ahead to the second group, I guess, uh, it's a little un- unorganized. I should have uh, gone about saying that in a different way. Uh, but can you rank that first tier real quick of Riomiro, Perez, Contreras, Will Smith, and Vasquez?
1: Yeah, sure. So I don't think I'm moving JT Real Muto out of the number one spot just because of his long track record of being very good. And I think that Salvi has played his way into being the number two catcher after this and last year still. Will Smith and Wilson Contreras, a good battle of the wills right there. Uh, I've been a huge fan of Will Smith. I owned him in TGFBI the past two years. Um, once they get that Dodgers lineup back to full strength at the end of the year, Will Smith could be huge for run producing stats. So I'm going to lean Will Smith over Wilson Contreras. I'll put Contreras at four and then I'll stick with Vasquez at five.
0: Okay, solid. Uh, this next group, as I started saying before we finished up the first group fully, um, this next group is a lot more interesting. I think uh, Carson Kelly, that sounds weird as my C C6 uh, Carson Kelly is my sixth favorite catcher in Major League Baseball right now. That that's something. Um so Carson Kelly, Buster Posey, Yadier Molina, James McCann. So let's talk Carson Kelly. I talked about him a couple of weeks ago with Foolish Baseball. Um but let's talk about him some more cuz he's been really really good. Um so Of course, I've talked about him before on the pod, but um, let's get your point of view. What are you seeing from Carson Kelly?
1: Well, I'm sure the Diamondbacks are able to live with the Paul Goldschmidt trade a little bit more with how good Carson Kelly's been this year. Um, And it's no doubt he's been incredible. I mean, I said it's hard for your catcher to hit over 300. This dude's hitting 333 entering today, which is May 12th. He leads the National League in on-base percentage. He has six home runs. Um, clearly he's going to cool off probably very soon, but it's not like he came out of nowhere. I mean, he was, he was somewhat touted through the minors as a, a decently rated catching prospect. Um, he hit 18 home runs in 111 games in 2019. It's not like the power is coming out of nowhere. So, Hey, I mean, I guess this year could be the year we see Carson, Carson Kelly establish himself as a top 10 catcher. Um, I guess if I could put like a reasonable batting average expectation, I'd say like he could hit 260 maybe. Uh I don't know if that's that's too disrespectful, but I I don't see that this Torrid Hot Streak will continue. But he's already got a good enough base here in mid-May hitting 333 that he's probably not going to hit for a bad average at this point.
0: Yeah, so I'm just looking at his fan graphs uh, stat sheet And three things stand out. First of all, 191 WRC+, that's just insane. Um, It just really pops off of the page. Nobody does that. Uh, But the other things that, like, actually matter and stand out. First of all, the plate discipline. It's just really good right now. He has more walks than strikeouts. That's a good sign. Um, And, I mean, those things tend to solidify pretty quickly. I'm not saying he's Alex Bregman and just will have more walks than strikeouts. But I do think that this is like a tangible change in his uh, approach because in 2019, uh, that 18 homer season and 111 games, you had si uh, 21.6% 20, K rate and 13.2% walk rate. And then 2020, he just stunk. Um, he had 22 K rate five walk rate and now he has more walks than strikeouts so that's definitely a good sign I think 2020 I feel safe saying that's a fluke uh maybe we can sp- expect a little more than what we got in 2019 but a case against him is his BABIP is really really high this season he I, I'm just assuming he's slow since he's a catcher and has never stolen a base and that just I think Carson Kelly is slow um I don't have his sprint speed pulled up right now, but I would think he's not too quick. So his BABIP, understandably, is historically low, um, coming out to 258 on his career, including this year. Um, and this year, he's his BABIP is 339. Uh, all other years, it's 246. So maybe the plate discipline is bringing his BABIP up a little bit. Uh, but I don't trust it at all. Like the batting average being three thirty three, I agree with what you said, uh, two sixty. But I also think two sixty total probably, and that includes this crazy hot start. So maybe it's more like uh two fifty or two forty five the rest of the way, and it'll come out to be at two sixty. Because I mean, he already already has a hundred plate appearances where he's gotten. Uh, where he's gotten a 333 average, so I think 250 ish the rest of the way, coming out at like 260 total. Uh, checks out, but I'm a little skeptical there, but it's definitely interesting. He's my catcher six. Um, let's talk about these old guys, Buster Posey and Yadier Molina. Are they? just really good um or are they moving up in your rankings more because other guys have been moving down
1: Yeah like you said we've seen a lot of unproductivity from the catcher position but it's been pretty cool we're getting a little bit of our like 2010 heyday here in the fantasy catcher world with Buster Posey and Yadier Molina having good starts to the year uh especially since Posey took last season off he's now back he's hitting 385. Uh, granted, he hasn't played every game, but it's been really cool to watch Buster Posey get back at it. I mean, his OPS is almost 1,200 right now. Uh, it, it's crazy. It's it's hard to say that I expect him to be really good the rest of the way, that I expect him to be a, a top five catcher. Or It's even hard for me to say that I expect him to finish where you have him now in uh, like the top eight, just because He's so old, you know, I'm worried those legs are going to get run down. But nevertheless, if you've been lucky enough to own him thus far, you've been very pleased with his production. And the same thing with Yadier Molina. I know that he just got activated off the IL. He had a brief little injury stint, but uh, not to diminish his production, he's also been very good, hitting over 300. His OPS is about 950. So both of those guys, like you were talking about with Carson Kelly, probably do for some regression. But it's feasible they finish the year as top 10 catchers. I mean, we know that they can at least hit for some average. They're professional hitters. They've been doing this for a long time. So we'll see. I mean, top 10 is not out of reach for them, but it's hard for me to expect them to go into like the top six, really.
0: Yeah, I think the top the top five are really solid with that uh, first tier that we talked about. And then it gets kind of crazy. Like, honestly, you can put six through 13 in any order that you want, and I wouldn't be upset. Um, and I, I I could see the argument for putting someone like Austin Nola above Buster Posey or Yachty, but I don't know, like, he's not getting everyday playing time at catcher that's kind of one of the main things I'm looking for uh so yeah I'm not saying that I expect anything different than Yachty than what we've gotten in years past but I do think that um these guys will uh regress but also be serviceable and that's what I'm looking for at catcher um then you've got James McCann at the end he's kind of just like Buster Posey and Yachty to me except he's been bad so far, so I just ranked him after. Um, It's really that simple. But how would you rank that group of of four? Carson Kelly, Buster Posey, Yadier Molina, James McCann?
1: The rest of the way, I'm probably going... I, I think I'm going to go McCann ahead of all of them, just because I think from this point on, we've seen McCann slumping. But last year, he hit 289. The year before that, he hit 273. He's at 200 right now. I just think he's not going to finish the year at this this minimal production that we've seen from him now with one home run, and he's hitting 200. I think we're going to see an uptick in production, whereas the other guys might regress a little bit, which is why I'm going to go with McCann one. I'm going to go Kelly two, because he's still young. He's 26. He's entering his physical prime. So I think he has the best chance to stay healthy and finish out the year, and then I mean, Posey and Molina, I'm just going to kind of put them together because both old, both realistically could have some injury that could end their careers tomorrow. Um, but they're also both professional hitters and probably will at least have a solid batting average floor, hopefully.
0: Yeah. Um, and now with Brandon Belt injured, I believe, uh, maybe Bester Posey will get some playing time at first. I don't think Yachty will because uh, they've got Goldie over there. But yeah, uh, James McCann and Carson Kelly. My, I could see them having the most played appearances come the end of the year of this group of four. Uh, next up, Austin Nola, Omar Narvaez, Yasmani Grandal, or Wilson Ramos. I'll let you uh, choose if you want to talk about anybody here because no one really stands out. I, I Yasmani Grandal hit a home run the other day. He's been walking a ton, um, but. No one cares about that in Roto unless you're scoring runs, which he is, but that batting average is disgusting. So um, any thoughts on any of these four? It's fine if you don't really care.
1: No, I'd like to talk about Grandall uh, because I own him a couple places and man, yeah, it's been really bad. Like, it has been very bad. He has probably been one of the worst batting average players in fantasy baseball. And if you drafted Grandall, you probably picked him in the top 150 around there. He was ranked right around catcher five. And like you said, I mean, he's walking more than he's striking out. So it's honestly kind of incredible that he's been so bad at getting hits because clearly he's seeing the ball at least somewhat well. But um, I mean, I think I would probably rank Grandall the rest of the way over those veterans, Posey and Molina, like, I'm sorry, they're, they're old. And like, I just don't trust them to be really good producers. Whereas Grandall, I mean, I know that the average isn't going to be there, but this dude has hit 20 home runs in each of his last four full seasons. I just think that the power that you don't usually see from a catcher is going to be there for him. And I mean, he's got to start hitting soon. And if he doesn't start hitting soon, he's going to stop playing. So I'm betting on him getting hot playing more so that he doesn't lose his job because I'm sure that his manager Tony Larrosa has been in his ear a little bit at this point since it's the middle of May. So, I'm still hopeful about Grandall. You know, in baseball things tend to swing back and forth with hot streaks and cold streaks. So, I've been holding on to Grandall just because I feel like if I drop him, he's probably going to heat up as soon as I drop him and then I'm going to lose all that good production and I waited through all the bad production. And I feel like the same thing with Omar Narvaez the other way, he was super hot to start the year. He's one of those guys, too. There's so many catchers that are just really hot, really cold, really hot, really cold. You just got to add him on those right streaks. Uh, Narvaez was super hot to start the year. Now he's been on the IL. But, again, he's another guy that if you get him when he's on the hot streak, he's going to be super valuable. It's just whether you want to wait out the cold streaks or add a, stream a different catcher. Because, really, in Roto Leagues, if you don't have one of the top catchers you're probably just streaming, you know, whatever today's special is, basically.
0: (laughs) Yeah. And, yes, Monty Grandal, for me, might be a little bit of um, just confirmation bias because I did not really like him coming into the season. But the fact is, uh, excluding this year, he has a 281 BABIP, so a little below average. But he has a 116 this year. Like, he's some of those hits are going to uh turn in some of those outs are going to turn into run, uh, hits wow um so maybe i should move him up a little bit but i don't know i 30% walk rate it's just ridiculous um maybe he just wants to do this he's trying to do a whole new revolution that we just have never seen before and it is not conducive to fantasy if he's doing this on purpose but um it's interesting. I I just don't really like him too much. Um, let's move on to first base. I'm not even going to ask you to rank that group because you could go in any direction. It doesn't really matter either. Um, let's go to first. These guys are a lot more interesting. At the top, we've got, in my opinion, um, a pretty clear group of three as well. Freddie Freeman kicks it off followed by Vladimir Guerrero and Jose Abreu. Um, Vlad's a stud, right? Should he even be above Freddie Freeman, maybe?
1: Vlad is absolutely a stud, no question about it. And I think uh, maybe you can partially attribute this to the move away from third. He's not, you know, standing uh, out there in the field every time thinking, oh God, please don't let a ball get hit to my backhand or something. You know, he's probably more comfortable just playing first base. And that's not to say anything poor about his physique. I know he's still a very young player. He could probably still play third. But um, I still think you got to keep Freeman ahead of Vlad. Even though Freeman's been a little cold, I think uh, there's definitely been some unluckiness in his Babbitt profile. At least there was early in the year. And... I mean, this dude won MVP last year. Like, I'm just not ready to say that he's not the best option at the position after we saw what he did last year. We know what he's capable of. But there's no doubt that this could be the year that Vlad cements himself as maybe even a top 25 fantasy player in redraft, maybe higher. Who knows? Because, I mean, let's be real. This dude was the number one overall prospect when he was coming up. Everyone knows that he can hit. He has an OPS over 1,000. And, I mean, he's probably going to be a stud. He's going to get paid.
0: Yeah, I agree with you there. Uh can you hit me up with a full season stat line projection for Vlad so that uh kind of people have an idea of like how great you think he is cuz I think it I think he's just fully legit. This is who he is, but uh give me some numbers. What are you expecting?
1: All right. Uh so we got a full season of Vlad here. Uh so I'll say maybe about 150 games or so. I'm going to say I'm not going to I'm not going to go over the 300 with the average yet. I'm going to say he's going to hit 285 this year. I'll give him like 32 homers and 95 RBIs. I don't want to be over the top, but I think that's a that's a modest projection for Vlad honestly at this point cuz he's been red hot. So that that's what I'm seeing right now.
0: Yeah, I think so too. Um that sounds about about right maybe Uh, You said 285 for the average. I might push it to like 295 because I think his hit tool is very good. Um, But my point of doing that was maybe that's a sell high opportunity because I think people might be thinking about him like first rounder. But if you think about it, first rounder this year, you were Freddie Freeman or you were a pitcher or someone who steals bases. Um, Vladimir Guerrero is none of those people. So maybe that's a sell high opportunity for you cuz and it's definitely a sell high like you don't want to just give away a 295 hitter that will get 30 home runs that's very rare but if someone's willing to give you like Jose Ramirez or um maybe a Shane Bieber or some uh, Shane Bieber's quietly been struggling a little bit I would be happy to do that um and sell high on Vlad, even though I love him a lot. Uh, Can you rank these top three? Just to be clear, it's Freeman, Guerrero, Abreu, right?
1: Yeah, and I would actually like to pose an interesting uh, buy low, sell high question. So we were talking about the steals here, guys that were taken early in the first round. Uh, Where would you stand on a potential one-for-one Vlad for Lindor swap?
0: I'd take Vlad. No... I hate that because now Lindor's heating up and there's no reason he was cold. Um, I don't know. I, I was never huge on Lindor. I had him in my mid-second, actually, um, just because like he seems like Ozzy Alby's ultra, kind of, um, who just does like a little bit of everything well. I don't know if he's going to steal too much either in New York. So I I'll, I'll go Vlad because I do have more confidence in him being great. Um, but it's close, especially now that Lindor's finally heating up. Um, so let's move on to this next group. Uh, unless you have any rebuttals to what I'm assuming your ranking is of Freeman Guerrero Abreu. Um, the next group is Pete Alonso, Luke Voigt. I have Jared Walsh really high. I get, I might not be, um, you might not be with me there, but It's okay. Jared Walsh, Max Muncy, Matt Olson. Um, Maybe Pete Alonso should have been in that upper tier, but he's been really good. Uh, Not hitting for power like you would expect, but I don't think his power just disappeared. I think um, he's been really encouraging, actually, because he's hitting for average like we have not seen before. Actually, I take that back. I thought his average was a lot higher. His average is only 255, but... Anyways, that's not bad. Um, Five homers, I'd wish that would be more, but I don't see anything concerning there. So I thought his average was higher. Let's not talk about Alonzo because frankly, nothing interesting is going on there. Um, Let's talk more about Jared Walsh, though. Um, Give me an approximation of about how high you would rank him right now because I I think he's just a stud. Um, Where are you at?
1: Uh, how high I would rank him among first basemen or like overall draft yeah. right now?
0: Uh, Yeah, first baseman and just like n- give me a number-ish. It doesn't have to be exact at all.
1: Okay, this is interesting. Uh, I definitely would not put him as high as you have him, I don't think. Um, I'll probably still go with the benefit of the doubt on Muncie and Olson, and – as an Orioles fan, I mean, I don't mean to get biased with my home team, but Trey Mancini has looked really good this year. I mean, he's driving in a lot of runs. I think I, I put Trey Mancini over him by a hair. Uh, he's I know he's top five in the league in RBIs right now, I think. Um, I mean, when the Orioles score runs, it's normally Trey Mancini that's involved with it, uh, coming from someone who watches every game. And I, I just think that there's no reason why that'll stop. And I, I think that Walsh is definitely gonna see some regression in the batting average area um but that's to expect when he's hitting 340 right now but i i think putting him right around 10 with goldie and rizzo some aging veterans who were once at the top of the position but walsh definitely has a a rising stock next to his name no doubt he was great to end last year he's been great this year
0: yeah i agree um and you said uh When the Orioles drive and runs, it's usually Trey Mancini. I think you meant to say if the Orioles drive and runs, it's usually Trey Mancini. Um, But anyways, Jared Walsh, I don't know. I I love him. I loved him last year so much. This plate discipline thing that he has going on is really interesting because last year we were excited by him just not striking out 30% of the time. Uh, He he had a 14% strikeout rate, 5% walk rate. This year though the strikeout rate has risen to 22%, his walk rate has risen to 10. So that plate discipline is extremely encouraging. Yes, BABIP is way too high at 400. Um but he does have a historically high BABIP as well like some of these other guys um I've talked about. So I I his batting average is going to crash down. I would expect Something in the 260 to 270 range, probably, but he's going to hit for power. Uh, you were just flexing Trey Mancini's RBIs. I, I think Jared Walsh's RBIs are going to be kind of crazy. Um, in that lineup hitting at the top, like you can't convince me that you like uh, Trey Mancini's lineup in a position better than Jared Walsh's for RBIs, but. Nevertheless, I know I like Jared Walsh more than normal. I just wanted to see where you were at. Um, Matt Olsen's also been really interesting because he's hitting for average kind of out of nowhere. Um, Do you think he can keep that up or is it just a complete fluke?
1: Um, He's probably not going to keep that up just because we haven't really seen that from him before, uh, in my opinion. But the 268, I mean... Yeah, he might. I I thought it was a little higher than that because he did hit right around there in his last full season. Um, He's also not quite on pace to reach the same power numbers that he had from that season, though. So perhaps he's taken a little something off to make more contact. But it does look like his uh, walk-to-strikeout ratio is off to a better start this year. So perhaps not chasing quite as many balls out of the zone, being a more disciplined hitter, has been very helpful for him. But I feel like he's on a pretty uh, general Matt Olsen tra- trajectory. I don't know if there's a whole lot for me to add here. He's hitting his homers. He has an OPS plus that's about 150. He's been a productive hitter this year. There's no doubt about that. I don't really know what else to say. He's, he's been Matt Olson.
0: Yeah, it, 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 I was concerned um, off of that really bad 2020 where he hit sub 200. Um, so I was concerned from that. I think those concerns are just gone. Um, he's just good. Um, and not this good, but I think he's pretty solid. He'll, he'll get you bare minimum 30 homers, probably closer to 35. Um, and I don't buy into average, but, um, it's not going to be like 200, like I was kind of expecting. It's going to be closer to maybe 240 to 250. And, I mean, we've seen him hit close to 270, and in this climate right now, 270 is welcomed on most teams. Um, so can you quickly rank these five? Um, and if you want to add Trey Mancini in there, that's okay as well, because I like him a lot as uh, too, so uh, I guess these six then, Pete Alonso, Luke Voigt, Jared Walsh, Max Muncie. Matt Olson, Trey Mancini. How do you rank those guys?
1: So I go with, um, man, this Alonzo Voigt conversation for number four is honestly pretty tricky to me because I know Alonzo's got the definite power, but we saw Luke Void emerge into an all-around hitter last year, and we really haven't seen anything from him yet. Obviously, he just made his season debut last night. I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go Void number four, even though he's on the Yankees and I hate him. He's playing in that little ballpark. And he, I mean, he hit home runs at will last year. So I don't see why that would change. I'm going to go with him four. I'm going to go with Alonzo five, Muncy six, Olsen seven. And I'm going to go with Mancini over Walsh just because what happens when they bring Joe Adele up or if they bring Brandon Marsh up, I'm not saying they're looking to get Jared Walsh out of the lineup, but later in the year, should those guys come up, they're going to want to play them. I know they got rid of Pujols, so first base is more open, but, I just feel like the angels have a lot of outfield guys right now on the way as well, which worries me a little bit. He might not be able to find that right field time quite as much as the season goes on.
0: Yeah, I could see an argument for Mancini over Walsh. And this is, I, Mancini was like my third favorite player to draft coming into the season. So I love Mancini as well, but I don't know. I, I don't think Jared Walsh is losing any playing time. He, he's a stud in my opinion. So, um, yeah, now let's talk this next group. Uh, the old guys you could call it, even though uh, one of them is kind of young, he feels old. Uh, Paul Goldschmidt, Anthony Rizzo, Reese Hoskins, who feels old in my opinion, uh, and CJ Crone. CJ Crone's injured right now, um, so that's of course a caveat to this group, but. CJ Crone. let's just ignore the injury right now. Talk about him as a player. He really started to heat up. Uh, he had a lot of helium in drafts once he signed with the Rockies, understandably so, of course. Um, are you excited for Crone's outlook once he returns from the injury, or are you just kind of, it's CJ Krohn, because I'm interested, but I'm interested to hear what you have to say to
1: no, it's always kind of like I was thinking the same thing when we're talking about CJ Krohn here. It's like, well, you know, how excited can I get about CJ Krohn? He's CJ Krohn, but he's on the Rockies, which can elevate him to another level. And I mean, we've seen him hit the home runs before he hit 30 in 2018, 25 in 2019, away from Coors Field. So, I mean, he he's going to be a productive first baseman. He's going to be owned in all leagues, 10 teams or greater, because, I mean, he's going to hit home runs and he's going to hit probably 250-ish from what we've seen from his career. So, I mean, there's no reason that I'm down on C.J. Krohn, and he might be better than Paul Goldschmidt this year. I mean, he's going to hit more home runs probably.
0: Yeah, and maybe even hit for a higher average too because, I don't know, Goldie's not looking too hot right now, and C.J. Krohn was. Uh, if it If it weren't for the injury – Maybe I'd put him above uh, Goldie, definitely above Hoskins, but um, I'm interested in Crone. I'm intrigued by him. They might play Matt Adams over him some games, which is dumb, but it's the Rockies, so uh, you can count on them doing dumb things. Um, Something that I noticed, he had a 138 WRC plus last year with 190 average and pretty bad plate discipline, so uh, that's just a little tidbit that i noticed that's pretty funny um but this group how do you rank them uh paul goldschmidt anthony rizzo reese hoskins cj crone
1: i think i'm still gonna stick with rizzo atop this group um after that i mean i think i go i think i go goldschmidt because of the crone injury like you said we do we know how long he's going to be out? I, I don't really have any CJ Krohn shares.
0: I think it's pretty minimal. I'll look it up while you continue talking.
1: Okay. So, I mean, if Krohn's going to be back in a week, I'll put I'll put Crone over Goldie. And then I'll, I'll go Goldie just because I still think he's going to be a better all-around hitter than Hoskins. And then I'll go Hoskins last because, like I was saying with the streaky catchers, I mean, Hoskins is just like that but a first baseman. Yeah, he'll do a little better than a catcher, obviously. But – Whenever I'm comparing streaky first baseman, the guy that always comes to mind for me is Mark Reynolds because he was just the king of going completely torrid and then absolutely cold. So, I mean, maybe Reese Hoskins is just a just a new Mark Reynolds now.
0: Maybe, because, I mean, when he was called up, that streak he went on was pretty crazy. So, yeah, he, he's been pretty streaky. Um, CJ Crone is, uh, according to RotoWire, supposed to be back May 17. So yeah, minimal stay. However, it's a back injury, which is always um, a little concerning for hitters, I think. Um, so I'm a little hesitant. But something that I noticed I've done with my rest of season rankings, I try to update them as often as possible. I usually overreact way too much to injuries because it's a long season. Um, I find myself moving guys down like five spots when they get injured. And then 10 days later, once their minimal stay is over, moving them back up five spots. So maybe on May 17, when he's supposed to return, I'll move him above Paul Goldschmidt. Because I do like CJ Crown a lot. Just the injury um, is a little concerning. All right, this next group, very interesting squad here i think um there are a lot of guys that not to toot my own horn but i liked a lot of these guys before the season and a lot of them have panned out so carlos santana jesus aguilar eric cosmer nate Lowe, yuli guriel um let's talk about jesus aguilar for a little bit i don't understand why he's not consensus like top 20 because he's gonna play every day Um, apparently he's going to hit for power now, which I don't really buy into, but batting average looks really solid. Power could be solid. I guess he already has as many homers through 34 games this year as he did through 51 last year. Um, lots of counting stats, I guess, hitting, uh, number three in a, what I think is decent lineup. Um, what do you see that you think? makes the industry so low on him because I see no reason um, to not think of him like a starter on every fantasy team
1: I think that the 2019 struggles he had might have played a role into that because I mean in 2018 Jesus Aguilar was the number one seed in the home run derby he had the most home runs at the all-star break and he was awesome everyone was super excited about him And then he kind of fell on his face in 2019. And I guess that left a bad taste in a lot of people's mouths. And in 2020, you're right. He hit for a good average. Uh, He didn't blow anyone away in the power department, which I guess left people still sleeping on him, but you're right. He's proving the haters wrong. Now he's, he's been very good this year, especially recently. He struggled a bit in April, but uh, I I think over the past two weeks, the home runs have really been coming in bunches. He's been hitting a home run like almost every day. It's been, um, it's been insane. So, Hey Jesus Aguilar, he's going to be a solid option probably this year.
0: Yeah, he he was very bonzing a couple of weeks ago. Like every, so, I have notifications turned on for um all of my TGFBI players so that like whenever they are at bat and then something happens, I get a notification about it. And every single time, I swear Jesus Aguilar was walking or um hitting a Homer. So I mean, he's interesting to me. Nothing really suggests that he's gonna that this is completely uh fraudulent. I still think he's just a good hitter for the most part. Um the power numbers he's not gonna hit a home run every day. But close to twenty five, if he can really figure things out, then maybe thirty. Um and then yeah, he seems to have things figured out in batting average and that's pretty interesting. Um Nate Lowe is also something that needs to be talked about for sure. What do you think is going on there? Are you buying into it? Because he, like we've talked about with a few other guys, he's going crazy with RBIs. And I don't know how sustainable that is. Like, sure, he's hitting high in a lineup, but it's also the Rangers. Um, His average is really high right now. He has a few homers. What do you think? I I like it um in everyday playing time as well there's a lot to look forward to here
1: I mean quite simply with Nate Lowe I agree with you this is what we've been waiting for the Rays freed Nate Lowe when they didn't play him and now he's doing what he did in the minors I mean you look back on his minor league stats in in 2018 I know this was a little while ago but this dude hit 330 with 27 homers and 102 RBIs uh, over a couple leagues and On the Rays, he just didn't really get that playing time because they had G-Man Choi, they got Yandy Diaz. They just had too many options, and he never really got a chance to get into a groove, and he just went to a team that is desperate for offense. I mean, we're seeing him and Cardinals reject Adolis Garcia carrying and Nick Solak, another Rays reject, carrying the team right now. Um, But no, I mean, Nate Lowe, he's, he's been a pretty polished hitter so far. He's hitting for average and power. He's driving in runs. Uh, he's not striking out an obscene amount, so I mean, I think Nate Lowe is kind of ascending into the conversation of top twelve fantasy first baseman for the future, at least.
0: Yeah, I I do think I have to raise him in my rankings. I because he's been really streaky as well this year. Like he started off after like three weeks or whatever, he was leading the league in RBIs, and then. He really cooled down um a lot. And uh then he's started another hot stretch recently. So uh I think when I did these rankings I had him uh he he was just starting this second hot stretch after the cold stretch, so uh maybe I wasn't fully buying in yet, but I think he needs to move up. Um definitely at least above Eric Hosmer. But yeah, I, I'm very interested in this group. Um they are a lot more abstract as these previous tiers. So if you don't have an answer off the top of your head, that's okay. But uh, do you have any rankings or final thoughts on this tier?
1: Yeah, I'll, also, so I'll say that, uh, I'll just give a word on Eric Cosmer. I'm not a big Eric Cosmer guy. I've owned him in previous years in fantasy, and it kind of seems like he does just about the same thing every year. I know that he's off to a good start. But he just doesn't really hit for a whole lot of power, and the average is alright, I guess. I wouldn't want to have Eric Hosmer as my best first baseman on my team in a league that's smaller than, like, 14. um, Just because, I, I mean, he, he does produce runs. It's just hard for me to see him getting more than 20 homers on the year, and... It's a 285 kind of feels like the ceiling for his batting average. Most years, I don't know. Eric Hosmer just kind of a boring first baseman to own, and I just I'm just not really a huge Eric Hosmer fan. I I, I think now would be a good time to sell high on him.
0: I get that. Um, he, he needs to start hitting the ball in the air for sure. Let's move over to second base. This one I think will go a lot quicker than the first two positions. Um because it it gets shallow really quick. Um, So you've got your top two. I think they're pretty obviously your top two right now. Um, Wit Merrifield, DJ LeMayhew. Let me ask, how do you rank them? Because I think that will kind of segue into whoever we choose to talk about. But um, how do you rank those top two? I go Merrifield, LeMayhew. I almost had that before the season. Now it's like no question, Wit over LeMayhew.
1: Yeah, I mean, I really have no choice but to agree with you there, honestly. Wood Merrifield is the league leader in steals, um, and DJ LeMahieu has not been the league leader in batting average like we were all hoping he would, which is why his draft stock was flying up because he had the three-position eligibility and he might lead the league in batting average. um, But DJ LeMahieu has been more of an ordinary hitter this year, per se, and Wood Merrifield is doing his one category, the rarest category, Better than anybody else, which is why I agree with you there.
0: Yeah, but um, also, I mean, it's not his only category. He started off the year with a lot of power. That's not going to continue. No way. Um, But his batting average in years past, I mean, always hovering at around 300. Right now it's 265. So I think that's going to go up. And even still, he's in points which isn't even his like premier format he's been the number one batter in points leagues so in roto it's like far and away number one batter um and coming into this year he had a 336 career BABIP. he has 263 this year i think that average is uh, that batting average is really about to skyrocket and he's going to really pull away from the rest of the pack including dj lemehu i think
1: no, yeah, um, I, I would like to think. retract my uh, my only category comment. I more so wanted to say best category, comparing like Limited yeah, yeah. best category to Wit's best category. Obviously, Wit was like a top 40 pick this year. He was he's a he's a good all-around player. I w- I just want to make it known I'm retracting that comment. that ceases <laughs> to exist.
0: Yeah, of course. Um I, I, I knew you just like forgot. It's Whit Mary Field's known as one of the best batting average hitters. But I just wanted to point it out, he hasn't even been that good in batting average so far. And he's still number one at second base, pretty easy. Um, So I think that's a buy low opportunity, maybe. Um, I'm a huge Whit Merrifield fan, two of the probably scarcest batting categories, and he plays second base too, so that's nice as well. Um, So let's move on to the second group at second base. It's a bigger one, for sure. Ozzy Albis, Jose Altuve, Tommy Edman. Marcus Simeon, Brandon, uh, Ryan McMahon. What are your general thoughts on my rankings? Cause I think there is at least one guy that really stands out as, um, oddly high. Um, I'm curious if you can pick out who that is and what do you think about whoever that is? Um, does he stand out to you?
1: So I'm going to go ahead out on a limb here. Uh, is the guy Tommy Edmond that we're talking about here?
0: Yeah, yeah.
1: Yeah, okay. So
0: you think that's too high?
1: Yeah, I, I would not have Tommy Edmond as high as number five, I don't think. Um, for me, I guess I'll talk about what I think about him personally. Um, he's got the tri-positional eligibility. He's eligible at third base, second base, and outfield. Um and, I mean, he's he has an OPS plus of 110. He's He's been an above-average hitter this year, and he's scoring runs. He's playing more than anybody else in the MLB. He leads the MLB in games – or he leads the NL in games played, played appearances, and at-bats on the Cardinals. So the counting stats are obviously going to be there in runs scored, it looks like. But we haven't seen a whole lot from him in the power department, so I'm curious to hear where the hype comes from.
0: Okay. If... It's just that second base sucks. Like, what's Marcus Simeon batting for right now? He's my he's my next ranked second baseman and he stinks. Like, yeah, oh, he's better than I thought. Um, he has a 267 average, so actually let me let me move Marcus Simeon above Tommy Edmund real quick. i don't fully buy into Ryan McMahon and then the rest of the guys, they're either they've been garbage this season or they're pretty much as unproven as Tommy Edmund. So I'd rather take the steals, which I feel like I know are going to be there. Um, he feels like a little bit of carbon copy of Whit Merrifield, which I will take every day of the week, uh, lots of runs, lots of average, lots of stolen bases, not as many stolen basements or anything, but, um, yeah, it's more about the rest of the position in the categories that he specializes in, um. But yeah, having Marcus Simeon below him was definitely a mistake. I'm looking at Marcus Simeon's um, stats right now. I should have probably had him above Jose Altuve even. Even though Altuve is heating up, Marcus Simeon's been a beast, and it looks like he's going to run wild in Toronto. Um, and then batting into Needin. that's nice for him too. His power, uh, like Jesus Aguilar, eight home runs. Like Jesus Aguilar, already... Beating out his twenty twenty with where he only had seven, so uh, I think this move to Dunedin is very nice. Or I guess it's Buffalo now. Um, it's really been working in Marcus Semyon's favor. Uh, now, am I <laughs> am I overreacting with already having moved him up two spots to number four? Or do you think that sounds about right?
1: Yeah, I, I guess I don't have any any qualms with that because Jose Altuve is showing some signs of age. Um, and Semien's been good this year. I mean, he's been a, a good fantasy player in the past, and he's been good this year. And he's eligible at two positions. He's got shortstop eligibility as well. So I'd say he's the fourth most valuable second-base eligible player right now. I agree with that.
0: All right, solid. And uh, Ryan McMahon, let's talk about him a little bit. He's gotten lots of airtime on the podcast but deservingly so he's been amazing um what do you think's going on there because his play discipline looks a lot different um i'm just kind of curious on what you think is going on with ryan mcmahon because he's been really really good um and striking out a ton less um he has kind of come back to earth recently but i don't know still solid uh Would you have him higher than Tommy Edmund?
1: Yeah, so I'm looking even a a little lower down the list here. Um, So I'll I'll pick out three guys with uh, McMahon, Edmund, and then Jeff McNeil. And I think I would put McNeil ahead of both of them still. And I would go McMahon, two, just because he's in cores. And then Edmund, three. Even though, like you said, I mean, he's kind of a Whitmerfield light. I think the the light part is also kind of holding him down there. I mean, he does only have two homers and five steals, and Whitmerfield has double both of those. But, I mean, both of them are owned in almost every league, so it's not to say bad things about any of them. But I guess that's how I would put them. Because I remember Jeff McNeil is normally a pretty slow starter, and he kind of picks it up as the season goes on. I think last year or two years ago, the, the similar thing happened.
0: Yeah, it, he's um, a slow starter, and at least historically, his home runs come on come in bunches. Um, so I get the optimism, but I don't, I don't know. He's unexciting. Uh, I would definitely rather have Tommy Edman because right now McNeil's cold. I would think it would he'd come out of this slump, but even if he does. Uh, I think their batting average are batting averages are gonna be comparable, counting stats comparable between uh McNeil and Edmund, that is. And then Edmund I think is gonna kill him in steals, and that's the biggest one. So I don't think it's much of a argument for me having Edmund over uh McNeil. But I do hear what you're saying about McMahon over Edmund. I'm just intrigued by the steals, honestly. Um, that Tommy Edmund could provide, I think. Um, Let's move on to the final tier at second base, consisting of Brandon Lau, Nick Solak, Jake Cronenworth, Jeff McNeil, and Jazz Chisholm. Uh, Let's talk some Nick Solak. He's been really good. Uh, You brought him up when we were talking about Nate Lau. Um, Nick Solak, He's been awesome not in the way I would have expected but awesome nevertheless um 266 average really having a power breakthrough apparently um I've brought it up a couple times with these guys already starting to exceed their 2020 uh home run totals McNeil already has 7 last year he only had 2 um so that's pretty impressive I really like him um What are your general thoughts on Nick Solak?
1: Yeah, Solak, like a lot of the other guys in this group, are some young second basemen uh, and eligible to other positions too that are ascending into maybe the next top five of second base that we have coming in the future. But yeah, Solak, I mean, he leads the MLB in games played, which is off to a great start for counting stats already. Um, And the power has been there. He's got a 123 OPS plus, you know, decently above average as far as uh, hitting in the league goes and he's batting high in the order and he's playing on a Rangers team that is not very good. So he's going to continue to bat high in the order. It looks like. So the opportunities are going to be there for Nick Solak and he's probably not going to hit at a seven home run per month and a half pace because that would probably put him near 30, but Uh, I mean, I think we could be looking at 15 to 20 home runs for him if he plays every day.
0: Yeah. And I also think the steals should go up too. Um, He has been caught twice as well as having two steals. But before this year, he was uh, nine for 10 in the majors. So pretty solid. Now, of course, um, he is 11 for 12. So a little worse um, of a success rate there. But I think He's solid. Um, he's kind of like so. If uh, who did I say was Ozzy Albi's Ultra? Um, whoever that was. Um, Lindor. Oh, Lindor. Yeah. Okay. So if Lindor is Ozzy Alby's Ultra, then maybe Nick Solak is Ozzy Alby's Light. Just a little bit of everything. Uh, not too great in any one category, but a little bit of everything everywhere. So yeah. That, I like him on my team, um, especially at second base and outfield eligibility. That is pretty cool. Um, Jazz Chisholm, let's just drool over how awesome he is when he's on the field. Unfortunately, he's out right now, so we won't be seeing him too soon. If it weren't for that, I think I did have him ranked like Tommy Edmund-ish range, which for me is really high. Um, So when he's on the field... Um, which Rotowire claims to be in two days, so get excited. Um, Where would you have Jazz Chisholm ranked?
1: I think Jazz Chisholm, when he's healthy, at least what he's shown us right now, he's probably a top-ten option at second base. The dude had seven steals in the month of April. He was running wild. He was hitting for some pop, too. Uh, He had four bombs, and, I mean, he was getting his knocks. He was playing every day. Um, he was getting acclimated pretty easily. It seemed like, you know, with a rookie, they're going to have their ups and downs, but no doubt the seven steals off the bat was a very welcome sign that he's going to at least run a lot. And had he not been injured, he'd probably be pushing with Merrifield right now for the league lead in stolen bases only four away and he's missed a couple weeks.
0: So, uh, jazz Chisholm or, uh, Jose Altuve.
1: That's a very good question. Um well, let me let me look up some Jose Altuve stats here real quick.
0: Okay. Yeah, because, I has mean, been uh, solid.
1: Yeah, he was a, a like a preseason top one hundred pick, obviously. Still he's he's got the name value attached to him. Okay, yeah, he's hitting two ninety still. He's got his, his three homers. Whew, this is really close. Um I I just I find myself thinking Jazz Chisholm is a little bit more exciting right now as Altuve ages, he's up to 31 and he's not running anymore at all and he's not really hitting for much power either and I'm not saying Chisholm's going to hit for a lot of power Altuve will probably have him beat in average but if Chisholm wins power and steals over him I mean that's pretty exciting
0: Yeah, I I agree um Running is completely off the table for Altuve, I think. So that definitely gives him the edge. Um, What about Simeon or Chisholm? I'm just looking where to put him in my own rankings. I have him sandwiched in between Simeon and Altuve. So Simeon, Chisholm, Altuve. But would you rather do Chisholm or Simeon?
1: I think as of right now, I still lean Semyon because he's been a pretty productive source of power and he's been stealing for a couple of years. But Chisholm certainly, um, as a dynasty commodity, is rising as much as anybody, it seems, so far this year.
0: Yeah, I mean, where I have him, he's second base five right now. So that's pretty good. <laughs> it could definitely go down if some other guys uh, pop up or he slows down or honestly, it could go up. Like he could come the end of the year, come draft season 2022, he could be uh, second base number two if DJ LeMayu doesn't improve and Chisholm continues being what he has been. Um, so that about covers it. Uh, do you want to tell the people where you can be found on Twitter, uh, what you're working on, et cetera?
1: Yeah, so you guys can find me on Twitter at DROT, D-R-O-T underscore six. Um, On my Twitter account, I'll be posting, you know, what I've been working on, which will be writing and podcasting with Friends of Fantasy Benefits for the most part. Thank you again, Jordan, for having me. Um, And then amongst other things, uh, Baltimore sports-related humor, uh, other fun baseball happenings that I feel the need that the public – should hear my opinion about, even though they probably don't need to hear it. And um, yeah, just honestly, a lot of Orioles content. So if you're an Orioles fan, hit me up.
0: Uh, I guess that's really all Twitter is though, just a meaningless collection of people's opinions that nobody really wants to hear. So, I mean, if that's why people have Twitter, then I suppose they should go follow you as well um, because that's all really Twitter is. But I was scrolling through your Twitter Uh, to kind of get some background info. And yeah, I I agree with a lot of your takes. Very pumped about the John John Means no-hitter. So that was cool. Um, As always, you can find me on Instagram or Twitter at FOV underscore sports. I'll talk to you next time. But until then, Eisen out.